Welcome to another episode of Together for Salem. I'm Monica. This is my friend here, Pookie Doo. Hello. He's actually my husband. And we're going to be hosting this episode for you uh, from our basement. Isn't that awesome? It is. It is awesome. It's awesome down here. The thing is, things are changing daily, as you probably know. We're filming this on Thursday, and it's going to air on Saturday. Um, and things are probably changing even since this has happened. They might have, yeah. So life is intensifying. Like, if you lived alone before, you're really alone a lot. And if you had a family before, now you're really with your family a lot. And if you were retired before and you had that other person, now you're really with that other person all the time with like zero diversions. And if you were working before, now you're trying to work uh, from home or maybe you're working more because you're like a first responder or something. So it's just way intensified. Yeah, add all that, add to that anxiety, constant change, uncertainty, lack of control. So all these things are kind of bubbling up and making a really great recipe for the C word, conflict. Mm -hmm. So why is that? Why do these things lead to conflict? Is there anything we can do about it? That's what we're going to talk about. John's going to talk to us here in a second um, about a solution. And it's a solution that we think could help in all of our relationships, whether you're being quarantined or whether you're um, partying with your friends after this is all over. But we really feel like this is something that can help us uh, no matter what our situation is and no matter what our relationship is. So we'll get started. You know, I've seen a few people walking down the sidewalk when we go outside for our walks and stuff. And uh, we keep our six feet. We call it, um, we have a tall friend named Nate, if you don't know him. He's rather tall, and we've told the kids, keep at least two Nates away from people. And so that works. But we ask him, or I ask him, you know, how are you doing? And everybody says, it's weird. Everybody says, usually the men, we're hanging in there. Like, so how are you guys doing? This is, this is a weird time. And I think this, this pandemic, this, this time can really be a, a test, not just even a test for us personally, but a, a test for our relationships, right? This idea of having to be cooped up uh, together really magnifies those annoyances that we've, you know, been able to kind of smooth over and maybe just kind of brush off so we can go to work those those pet peeves that we can kind of look the other way sometimes they kind of come into the surface aren't they right now like seriously right now it is we're recording this on wednesday night it's 9 45 we were finally able to record because the kids finally got into bed and they're hopefully asleep and you won't hear them yelling for us or water or anything like that. But this is this quarantine thing, big test on our relationships. In fact, you've probably seen the reports coming out of China now that uh, now that they've been able to kind of relax their restrictions and get back, back out, divorces have skyrocketed because people spent too much time together. It's crazy. So like, what's really going on here? Why, like when we're, when we're with other people, whether it's, you know, before this, whole time, and especially now when we're stuck with the people we say we love the most, why is there conflict? Why is there this, this kind of animosity almost at times? And I, I think the answer really, and the solution will surprise you. And what we're about to talk about, I think will be tremendously helpful uh, for right now, however long this time lasts, but really for, for the rest of your life, when things get back to whatever normal's going to look like. Even if you're not, you know, living with a family right now, even if you're living alone, I think this is still going to be really helpful. 
And interestingly, Jesus's little brother, James, gave us a great perspective on this whole relational conflict thing. In fact, James, when uh, Jesus was doing his ministry, he actually thought Jesus was crazy. Right? Think about it. Your, your big brother's walking around and he's saying, hey, everybody, when, when you see me, you see God. And, oh, and your, your sins are forgiven. Go ahead and, you know, you were, couldn't walk since birth. Now go ahead. They, he, James thought his brother was crazy. But after Jesus, is, Jesus died, he, James became the leader of the early church in Jerusalem, like the, the first church. He became one of the main leaders of the Christians. How does that happen? How can you go thinking your brother's crazy to now worshiping him as God? It's weird, right? Well, he saw his brother die and come back to life. Like, honestly, what would it take? We'd like to say this at Cross Creek. What would it take for you to uh, believe that your brother was God, your older brother? I mean, some of us look up to our older brothers, but a lot, right? Like, I, you're not going to get me believing my older brothers are God. But James believed his brother was God. And so around uh, 45 AD, really only about 10 to 15 years after Jesus' death and resurrection, James wrote a letter to Jesus followers, to like people who followed his brother as God, telling them what it looked like to follow Jesus, to follow his big brother. And in this letter that we call the book of James, it's in, in the New Testament, he talks about conflicts and, and how we all, these conflicts we all kind of tend to have with each other. And let me pull up what he says here. Here's, here's kind of how he's talking about these conflicts. He says, what is causing the quarrels and the fights among you? It's a good question, right? He's talking to these, these Jesus followers and he's saying, why are you guys fighting? What's, what's going on? And for us, like, we'll look at our family and, you know, I've been working at home and the kids have kind of been getting at each other because they can't get outside. It's been raining and stuff. And we say, what, why are you fighting? And what's, what's our usual answer? Like, why are you and your, your spouse fighting? Well, he's a jerk, obviously right? She, she constantly picks, my wife doesn't do this, but she constantly picks at the, at the little things, right? Or they just won't listen. Or these kids are driving me crazy. If they would just stop. You, you haven't been there, obviously. It's just my kids. So why, what causes these fights and quarrels among us? Well, here's, here's what James says. <clears throat> Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? What? No, it's it's not me, James. It's 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 their fault, right? You don't know me. You're like two thousand years ago. You don't you don't know me. But honestly, stop, stop and think. All of the arguments, all the all the fights you've ever had in your life, or even the last week or so, they all share one thing, don't they? You. They all share you. All of your conflicts have one thing in common. You, all my conflicts have one thing in common. Every single fight I've ever been in, I was there for it. I was a part of it. I was 50, probably 90% of it. You say, okay, well, yeah, I mean, obviously that makes sense, right? But evil desires, I don't have evil desires, John or, or James. Well, James goes on. So don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have. Ever been there? So you scheme and kill to get it. You're, you're, you're jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. 
So you fight and wage war to take it away from them. I've never, you kill to get, I've never killed anybody. Maybe you haven't, maybe you have, but maybe probably you haven't. Have you ever killed a relationship because you wanted something different? Do you know anybody who, who wasn't, wasn't getting what they wanted out of a relationship and they, and they pushed and pushed for what they wanted until that relationship was dead? Honestly, think, think back on your last argument. Probably might not have been that long ago. At its root, someone, obviously not you, right? You wouldn't do this, but someone wasn't getting what they wanted, right? And that was causing conflict. They wanted stuff. They wanted more attention. They wanted more respect. Maybe they wanted space or a sense of comfort or a feeling of security. Maybe they wanted toilet paper. We want what we want. And, we, and when we don't get it, we tend to see other people either as, as tools to get what we want or obstacles keeping us from it. We see them as tools. So we scheme on how we can use people to get what we want. Or like I said, we use them as, we see them as obstacles. So we try to get them out of our way or even just kill that relationship because they're not fulfilling us and fulfilling our needs. We feel we need to fight for us, fight for what we deserve, what we need, because well, nobody else will. They're, they're all looking out for themselves too. So we might as well look out for ourselves. And honestly, right now in the, in the situation we're kind of all in, we feel like we're out of control, don't we? We can't control the virus. We can't control what the government says, when we can meet, and how all of that. And so we struggle with this feeling that we might not have what we need, let alone what we want in the near future. So, so we fight for what, whatever we think, or honestly, usually, subconsciously, what we, what we feel will give us that sense of grounding, that sense of security. We worry about ourselves and at the same time, ignore the needs, ignore the even wants of others. But this, this last two weeks, when we found out that our, our church, Cross Creek, couldn't, couldn't meet, um, we had the, you know, the 250 thing. We're not at 250, but we figured let's be part of the solution, not the problem. So we're, we're not going to meet. We're going to do everything online. We had no idea how that was going to look. I was just kind of the lead pastor, kind of trying to figure all this out, feeling like I needed to have all the answers. And you know what happened at the exact same time was the kids, all of our kids' schools got closed. And so we now had our kids at home, and my wife Liz had to figure that out, and I'm trying to figure out the church thing. I wasn't even thinking about, about what she had to go through. She all of a sudden became teacher and mom and nurse and all of that. And so we had this, this kind of tension where I'm in my own world worrying about work and what we're going to do there and not even paying attention at all to her needs and where she's feeling completely overwhelmed, probably watching these kids, having them constantly in the house, not even, and it's not even summer break. They have to stay home. They can't even go up, play with friends. And so just not even thinking about that. And you know what that is? It's self-centeredness. It's it's selfishness that we all have. You can call it selfishness or self-centeredness, whatever you want. I, I want this. I'm, wor I'm worried about this. So either help me with it, give me what I want, or get out of my way. Leave me alone. And think about it. Nothing ruins relationships faster than selfishness. 
Nothing ruins relationships than just being worried about yourself, not thinking about the other person. That's not even a relationship, is it? And here's the thing, that idea of worrying about ourselves, the self-centeredness, it, it also affects our view of God. See, J James even goes on. Uh, you fight, you wage war to take away from them, yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. You want only what you want. You don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And you might be saying, well, of course I don't ask God for it because I'm not even sure he exists. And that's cool. I'm glad you're watching. We kind of designed this for you. We've, Cross Creek is a church designed for people who don't normally go to church. This video cast is designed in the, for the same thing, for people who don't normally go to church, which is all of us right now. You might be saying, well, of course I don't pray. I don't even know if he exists. And I'm sure you have good reasons for that. And I'm not going to try to argue with you about that. But think about it. Since, since you're not sure he exists, it feels like your happiness, your, you being able to get what you want, get what you need, all depends on you, right? And for those of us who do believe, we often pray as this, as this ploy to get what we want from Genie Jesus in the magic lamp. We often, if we pray, we often pray selfish, self-centered prayers. And that might, that might sound harsh, like, well, I'm a praying person. I, but think about it. If you are a praying person, let me ask you a question. If God answered all of your prayers with a yes, which would be awesome, right? God said yes to everything you've asked of him. Would anyone else's life be better? Well, yeah, my kids would have a big house. No, like think about it. Would, would your neighbors, would your wife's life actually be better? Would your, would your parents' life be better? Would your kids actually be happier? Would your community be happier and healthier? So, so we ask for what we want with, with selfish motives. And then if we still don't get what we want, we kind of force the issue and take things into our own hands and, and say, you know what? We, we force God out of it. Say, well, God, you didn't give me what I want, so I, now I have to do it, do it myself. And it's our selfishness that destroys relationships, destroys relationships with others, and destroys, can destroy a relationship with God. And when we're, right now when we're in this fog of high anxiety and constant change, we, we tend to become even more self-absorbed, more um, closed off and, and guarded and worried about ourselves. So what do we do? How can we change this almost all too common pattern? Like, is there... Is there a way out of it? Is there a better way? Well, the cool thing is, James actually says there is, and he learned it from his big brother, Jesus. Here's, here's what James says. Humble yourselves before God. See, humility is the path to better relationships. Humility. See, sometimes we think we are the only ones who can take care of ourselves. We're the only ones that know what we need. Often, we're the only ones that know what others need. To it if they would just listen to us. James kind of calls this idea uh, friendship with the world, if you, if you read back a couple of verses, which is basically just this system of thought that leaves God completely out of it, that God either isn't there or, or doesn't care, and so everything depends on you. James says, it's, that's not the case. Be humble. Admit you aren't in control. Admit that you can't be in control, right? We all know that, that we're not in control right now. Admit you can't be, and 
you probably shouldn't be in control right now. I know I shouldn't be in control right now. See, humility, really, it's about trust. Trusting that God is in control. Trusting that God loves you. Trusting that God cares for you. So much so that you're willing to change your hopes, your dreams, even your wants, because you know that God wants what's best for you. You're willing to let him change those, those plans that you had because you know his plans are better because you trust that he loves you. You don't have to fight for yourself. You don't have to try to promote yourself because God is taking care of you because God is for you. And not only is he for you, not only is he for you, he wants a relationship with you, a, a parent-child relationship. Right? Think about like my kids right now, they're they're seven, five, and four. They're having the time of their life. They don't have to go to school. They get to play Lego all day. They get to uh, be with dad gets to be home and work from home all day. See, think about that. Where a, a life where you can depend on God, your your good father, where you can just enjoy him and enjoy the life he gives you as he takes care of you. That's trust. That's the relationship God wants with all of us. And when you, when you trust God for what you need, you don't have to fight for what you want. When you know that God will give you everything you need, what's there to fight about? That's the better way that James is talking about. Because you know you can't control very much. We all know that. You can't control very much, but the one who can is taking care of you. Think about it. What if it doesn't have to be all up to you? What if you could relax and know that there is someone who cares about you and can actually do something for and with your life? Like, even if you don't believe there's a God, I would say, I'm guessing, I don't know you, probably, but there, there's something in you that wants this to be true that you can relax and just trust that there's someone taking care of you. And I think there's proof that there is. That I think there's actual historical proof that you can trust that God cares for you. It, while you're, if you have the time during this, you know, kind of change of life where we're kind of having to slow down and be home, Take some time. What's, what's, what's the harm in uh, taking some time and reading the eyewitness historical accounts of Jesus' life? We call them Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Check the show notes for a link to a, a good website or an app to, to read these in. I recommend, if it's the first time, read it in the, call it the NLT, the New Living Translation, just kind of says it in the words that we use. But look into it. Look what, it, what, what Jesus says about God and what Jesus says about himself. And those those crazy miracles that talk about like Jesus walking on water or calming a storm or or feeding 5,000 people with just a little bit of bread and fish, those are there as, as proof. The reason he did those is proof that he actually is in control. The historical fact of his death and resurrection, which we'll talk about in a couple weeks at Easter, are proof that he cares about you. Proof that he, he is who he says he is. And, and proof that we really can trust him. Check it out. Now, a common question when, we, when you know, we talk about this being for each other and 
this, you know, not being selfish and worrying about others' needs and just trusting God is this. What if people take advantage of me? Right? I, I'm kind and, and I don't worry about myself. And so people take advantage of me. Honestly, they might. Sometimes people suck. They just do. But if God really is in control and he cares about you, he'll, he'll take care of that too. He'll take care of you through that. And you can just worry about being for them. Like we talked about if you watched episode one, our, our role is to be for others because God is for us. So you think about it, trusting God for you, trusting that God is for you, frees you to be for others. You don't have to worry about yourself because God's worried about you. You can be for others because you're trusting that God's for you, which in the end will make you the happiest. And that's really what we're worried about, right? Are we going to be happy? Are we going to have what we want and what we need? Will we be satisfied? And let me ask you this. Are you happy when you're constantly fighting for what you want? Fighting to be understood, fighting to have your way? Are you happy when you push so hard for respect and attention, making sure that you get what you deserve no matter who gets hurt or left behind? Has that made you happy? It hasn't. And we all know this fact that being for others is what will ultimately give you the life you want. And if, if you have a piece of paper or you can do this later or you do it in your mind, draw a circle. And in that circle, write me. In the middle of that circle, write me. The only thing you can control is inside that circle. Everything outside that circle, and you can write this if you want, you know, your, your kids, people, uh, your job, your boss, your coworkers, uh, events around us, right? The stress, the, all of that. Trying to control those things outside our circle that we can't control, that's what brings the stress and the anger and the frustration and the disappointment because we can't control it. You can only control how we respond. And so here's, here's a couple of ideas of how to kind of help our relationships through this time. The next time you have a conflict with someone, which might be pretty soon, might be happening right now as your kid just won't listen to the show on the TV. Next time you have conflict with someone, stop and say, and I got this from one of my mentors, uh, Andy Stanley. We'll put some of his stuff in the show notes probably. He doesn't know I exist, but... He's a distance mentor. Maybe we'll talk about that in one of these episodes. But here's, here's what he, he says. Next time you're, you're in an uh, argument, stop and say, you know what the problem is? I'm not getting what I want. The next time you have a conflict, stop and say, you know what the problem is? I'm not getting what I want. It kind of just puts it all in perspective. And once you do that, then ask two questions. Will I truly be happy if I win this argument? Is that what's going to make me happy is winning this argument? Like what's, what's more important momentarily winning this argument or building and nurturing this relationship before I got married, like the week before I got married, I had a, maybe you've heard this from somebody else, but I had a friend and he said, happy wife, happy life. And you know, would you rather be right or would you rather be happy? And it kind of makes sense, right? What's more important, winning the argument, which you're not going to remember in a week, or working and preserving and nurturing that relationship? So ask yourself two questions. Will I truly be happy if I win this argument? And 
would I really have to fight right now if I knew God was for me? If I trusted that God was for me and taking care of everything I need and want, mostly what I need, would I really need to fight right now? See, what if we saw this time of the COVID-19 as a chance and being stuck in our houses together as a chance to improve our relationships and not just struggle through them and hang in there? Like, How much stronger would our relationships be as we come out of it, as we saw this time as a chance to nurture them and grow them? How different would work be when when you go back or maybe you're, you know, you're you're you get to go there because you are essential, good for you. Thank you for what you're doing. How different would work be if the people there didn't have to fight for themselves, fight to get themselves promoted but knew that their coworkers were for them, that their coworkers were looking to to talk good about them, to get them promoted. What would this country be like if neighbors didn't worry so much about what they wanted and worried more about what their neighbors needed? I mean, we're seeing that. People saying, hey, what do you need? Let me go shopping for you if you feel unsafe to go shopping. What if that didn't just happen now, but continued as we came out of this? If we were you know, for each other because we trusted that God was for us. See, now is the perfect time to choose trust over fear, and to choose others over ourselves. Because honestly, the relationships you've always wanted begin with your choices today. We can choose to put others before us. So let's come, let's come out of this closer and stronger than when we, when we went in. Let's come out of this not just with each other, but for each other with healthier, stronger relationships. And healthy relationships, I think, create healthier, stronger communities. So working on our relationships is really helping our neighbors, helping our community, helping Salem, because together we can be for Salem. So we know there is no such thing as a perfect relationship. Mm-hmm. This is my wife, Liz. Sup? No. <laughs> You can't say sup. We're keeping this in. We're going to keep rolling. <laughs> Just kind of maybe we, there's some things that we've learned. We've yeah. been married for 10 years. Uh, the Since the, the 13th was 10 years. Yep. And so maybe there's some things that we've learned that you can add to your repertoire. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> the word. It's French. Yeah. We, we still have a lot, a lot to learn though, right? I do. Yeah. <laughs> You've taught me everything I know. So, Liz, mm-hmm. if that is your real name. It is. What time is it right now? Oh, like 10.25? Probably. Somewhere around Wednesday there. night? On Wednesday night. <sighs> Why is it so late? Because the kids wouldn't go to bed. <laughs> no, they wouldn't. They're cute. But my gosh, they're cuter when they're asleep. <clears throat> and we're locked in. The door is locked right now. No, I mean like. We're we're locked in, so we've had to re- we have to record with the kids yes. around. Yes. So the best time to do that was when they were sleeping. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> I hope nobody pees the bed. So okay, from your perspective, <clears throat> okay, mm-hmm. and you just you just listened to an amazing talk about relationships. I did. Yeah. yeah. Excited. <laughs> from your perspective, for others to hear it. <laughs> you're cute. From your perspective. How have you seen selfishness or self-centeredness play out in our relationship? In our, is that really the question? <laughs> That's 
horrible. <laughs> How have you seen self-centeredness play out um, in relationships? <laughs> it's not horrible because it's oh, I'm like touching my face. <laughs> um, we've you know gone through a lot of experiences that kind of started to challenge us in um, our self-centeredness that we didn't even know really was there. Right. We dated for five years before we yes. got married. Yes, and, and we, I mean, that was... Um, Off and on. Uh, terrible. <laughs> um, a terrible um, example of um, what it means to sacrifice or be thoughtful of another person and stuff. Mm-hmm. So we learned that through our dating pretty well, mm-hmm. which was um, helpful for when we got married right. and stuff. But I think um, I'd have, I have to go back to this example because this is where it really changed for me. Um, and when I started to realize my self-centeredness was when you started to give yourself up and you had, you had read this or seen this somewhere or something about um, out doing the other, the other person. Like what's that? It's in the Bible. Well, no, you know what I mean, though. Come on. Help me out here. Like outdo each other in showing honor? Yeah. And showing love? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you, like, when we started submission having competition. Kids, a submission competition. Thank you. Another Andy Stanley. <laughs> but, yeah, and you, um, you started doing that when we were going through a transition of having kids and just this time of um, some hardships for us and our relationship and stuff and some struggles, you made this turn and you started doing, doing things that were um, really thoughtful and unselfish on your part, even while I was still being really selfish. I didn't tell her to say this. makes me terrible. No, (laughs) you didn't. Um, but this is the example of when I started to recognize it wasn't a sub, it was a subconscious thing when I would think about how I would feel and stuff like that, but, um, through, through something and not think about you. So yeah. Um, during that time, it just made me recognize how much I was thinking about myself because you would always start to put me first. And I was like, wait a second, this isn't normal for us. (laughs) Well, and, like and I stuff, so. usually say, I didn't realize how selfish I was until I got married. <clears throat> then I didn't realize how yeah. selfish I was until I had my first kid. Then I didn't realize yeah. how still selfish I was until my second. And then my third. Yeah. Our third. They're not just mine. And then we started a church. <laughs> no, I don't know. Yeah. There's that too. <laughs> anyway, moving on. <laughs> no, anyway. So, next question I have for you. We. Well, yeah. We've, obviously we've talked about, we have some rules. Well. I wouldn't say there are rules. I really don't like rules. So, so I, I'd rather use it as a guide. Guidelines like the pirate code. Yeah. <laughs> Arr. So we have some guidelines that we've used for our years, 10 to 15 yes. years together. Right. And one of those is assume the best of each other. <laughs> I had to look at, at my note notes. Code, so. <laughs> <laughs> assume the best of each other. Right. How does that kind of play out? Um, well, I think that some of, sometimes in arguments and stuff, they even just start from, excuse me. I excuse you. Um, from assuming you meant to hurt me Mm. or like assuming that it was meant to be, um, harmful in some way. 
and stuff. And typically that's not really how it plays out <clears throat> once we end up talking about it right. and stuff. It's usually like, what? I didn't even know that that was going to be harmful to you or if that usually was going to hurt oblivious. your feelings or yeah. Um, and vice versa, I think too, you know, um, that, you know, I didn't, I might say or do something and you don't know my full intentions. Or I misread and, a tone. Yeah. So assuming, for no assuming the other one has your best interest in mind. Ooh, great uh, example. <clears throat> we didn't talk about this. But there were times where you would say, Did we have the time. I'm the boss. They're not going to cut this. So um, <laughs> there was a point where, like, I would ask your opinion about, like, my job and I, I teach in front of people. So how do you think I did and stuff? Mm-hmm. And <laughs> as a wife, you were honest. Mm-hmm. And I would get defensive. And I would assume, I kind of assumed that you were just kind of being mean and whatnot. And we had to talk through it that it's because you love me so much that you're willing to be honest and tell me how much I suck. <laughs> well, let me phrase that. Tell you the things that I think you would want to improve yourself on. Right. And so I needed, yeah. I was assuming the worst when you're actually trying to be your best and being brave and putting that opinion out there. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So assume the best. <clears throat> assume the best. Uh, how about this one? This is my my personal mm-hmm. favorite because it kind of started when we were engaged, I think, but we just kind of worked it out, is there are no supposed tos in a right. relationship. I mean, the only supposed to is choosing to love, right? Yeah. Which we, I, we kind of talked about last week in episode one, <clears throat> but there's no supposed tos in our relationship. What does that kind of mean? <laughs> well, what were you meaning by No, no, this is engaged? an interview about you. <clears throat> <laughs> um, that's not helpful. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think... Really, it, it, the underlying theme of that one is setting your expectations. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I think we all come into many relationships, <clears throat> friendships or parent-child um, relationships or anything because of just how we were brought up. And you were brought up different than I was mm-hmm. and stuff. And so right we have this idea of what it's supposed to be like. And so we set these expectations and typically those expectations aren't going to get met because we're different people right. um, and we don't have the same idea of what an expectation or how it's supposed to go or whatever. And I think we also recognize this as like we're different people than another couple and every, stuff. Relationship, so is every relationship is different and there is no um, one particular way of how it's supposed to go Right. and stuff. So and other so, people can have their opinions, but yeah, those are just opinions. So, yeah. So, and I think, you know, um, that kind of go, goes into our next one, our next little guideline of mm-hmm. communication and stuff. Um, not to. No, you're good, baby. But um, just the whole idea of not having expectations that aren't um, expressed. Right. And stuff. Because and so, yeah, go, go ahead. One? Yeah. Communication is for understanding, not for telling. Right. Like when we have conversations, we got we try to I don't do it very well, but we try to remember that when I ask questions or we're having a, a talk, guys, uh, it's for me to understand, not for me to tell you so that you understand me. Like my goal in us discussing is so I understand you. Your goal is so that you understand right. me. Right. Like things like, so what I hear you saying is right. are, 
our pastor, Chad Allen, if you watch this, kind of taught us that <laughs> in our premarital yes. counseling, which we recommend if yeah. you're not married and you're dating, get premarital counseling. <clears throat> get counseling. It's good for you. But so what I hear you saying is instead of, I always, anyway, so yeah. communicating so to we, understand. I mean, we hear this a lot. You can read this in many books and stuff that right. communication is key mm -hmm. to healthy relationships and whatnot, but it's really, communication is important, but it's really about how you're communicating and your um, behavior towards the communication and <clears throat> everything too, because you can communicate through um, yelling at each other, yelling is at each other communicating. is communicating, you know, but um, how you're communicating with each other is really key. And <clears throat> when you do have these expectations, um, that's something we've learned is when you do have these expectations, we communicate what those expectations are, mm -hmm. not assuming. You know what assuming does? That you, told me that you know what my expectations are without me having to like say them, right. you know, and stuff. And yeah, but also finding the right approach in communication. And then, like you said, it's more about when there is a misunderstanding coming to you to communicate about it. <clears throat> not to make sure you understand me mm -hmm. necessarily, but to better understand you. Right. Which reminds me of one of our first fights. Oh, yes. The sign fight. Yeah. <clears throat> We're getting gas for dating. Um, it's California, so I get to pump it myself. And uh, we drive away. And I said, did you see that blue sign on the corner? And she's like, Liz was like, no, that was a red sign. And for some reason, we just kind of, I said, well, no. details are important. <laughs> for you. And I said, no, it was a blue sign. She's like, it was a red sign. I'm like, are you kidding? Like, what world are you living in? It was blue. And she said, it was red. Said, it was a realty sign, too. So we were communicating, like, the, that this was, like, or an open house sign or something like mm -hmm. that. So we were like, no, it was a red open house it sign. It was blue. It was totally red. <laughs> but. So... I, I slammed slammed I, on the brakes. No, it's very I don't dramatic. think you slammed on the brakes. I'm pretty sure you just ah, the went stories the are better block. when you're not here. So, turned around the block, go back because I'm like we are going to go, go look at this stupid sign. We go there. On one corner is a blue sign. On the other corner, right across the street, it's a red sign. It's a red sign. So we the were, sign was red. So I was right. It was blue. But see, that's just like miscommunicating. If we just said, yeah. hey, which corner or taking the time to Or assuming understand, the best. Or, or assuming <laughs> the best and being like, you're colorblind. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we have no clue as to what we're doing, but we hope that these um, little guidelines that we kind of are working really through and learned um, help your relationships as well. Yeah. Enjoy. The quarantine. Be for each other yeah, in your marriage other and in your, your marriage. parenting. Your I mean, kids. these these guidelines guidelines work in any relationship. For your friendships, too, so for your family, <laughs> together right. we can be for Salem. Thank you, John, and thanks, John and Liz, for that awesome interview. They're a pretty cute couple, aren't they? They're super adorable. Super uh, adorable. Hopefully, there's something in there that you out there listening and watching can use and find helpful. If you want to take this information further, or what you've heard further, 
there will be discussion questions that roll through at the end of this video. Those are discussion, discussion questions you can talk to anybody about. And there's also a Facebook group online right now that you can connect with over these same questions. Um, and it's open to everybody, but you do have to join it so you can see the content. And it's over, um, it'll be linked in the description or the show notes. So that's one way you can also use those discussion or study questions. Mm -hmm. um, we are a church in Salem. I don't know if you knew that. It doesn't look like it right now. But we are a church in Salem. We are for Salem because God is for Salem. And one of the ways we um, are choosing to do that is to be for local businesses. So last week... We gave you all a challenge to um, share something that you learned from this episode or share it um, on a social media platform and then tag us. And we just want to congratulate Ryan Horsley. Yes. Good job, Ryan. Yes. Thank you so much for sharing. These are the crowd yeah. cheers. Thank you so much, Ryan, um, for sharing that. Thank you just for um, being the amazing person that you are. And you've won a $10 Odmos gift card. Odmos is a great pizza, pizza spot. And there's a few spots in Salem where you can get it from, so which is mm -hmm. super cool. And I hear they also deliver beer and cider, which is awesome. Bonus. But this week, we're having another giveaway with another local is. Mm -hmm. Aaron, do you want to say who that is? It is Noble... Wave. Oh, with the hand signals. <laughs> sure. Noble Wave. Noble we wave didn't do that in the other takes. That was That's good. Okay. Um, so Noble Wave is our um, gift card giveaway this week. Mm. To enter that giveaway, it's super simple. All you have to do is um, share something that you heard about in this episode. You can share the episode itself. Just tag us, uh, Your Cross Creek, um, on Instagram or Facebook, mm. uh, Twitter, um, maybe MySpace. I don't know. You could do that if you wanted to. Um, and that will enter you into the giveaway, and then we'll announce it uh, next time we get together. Next week. Yeah, that's right. So um, thank you so much for participating in this uh, message with us. There's information in the show notes, further reading, uh, links that you can go to to read more articles on different topics and things of that nature. Super cool. It's there for you. Please check out the description. Mm -hmm. um, if you're looking at us uh, from the website, yourcrosscreek.com, it's also there for you too. And thank you, podcasters. Those of you who aren't looking at our faces and are just listening, we appreciate you as well. You can mm -hmm. always leave a review for our podcast. And if you subscribe to YouTube or um, your podcast app, it'll just let you know when we have our next episode. So thanks so much for doing that. Thank you so much for being for Salem. Thank you for joining us. And we hope you have a great week. Bye. Bye. See ya. This is the Dame Wave. Okay. That's not his face, though. <laughs> That's, That's not Dame's face. That's the way. <laughs>